Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC is back this week for Kelvin Gastelum versus Jared Cannonier. We will be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on this main card. As part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, the segment that you love that makes your wallet fat. Plus, I'm, of course, bringing you guys the interviews. Joining us today is Parker Porter, who's getting ready for the second time of trying to face Chase Sherman. He talks about both what knocked him out of the first fight and the improvements he's made for this go-round. And then at the end of the show, I'll be talking to Dustin Jacoby, who actually fights a week from Saturday. And he's very excited to get back in the win column after kind of a weird draw. We talk a lot about that draw and also what's next for him following, hopefully, this upcoming win. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas, browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on every sport imaginable. That's right. You can find picks on every sport imaginable. And in fact, if you head on over there this week, you're going to get my special bonus pick. That's right. Special bonus pick coming to you only on the Top Turtle MMA page on Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Parker Porter, who fights Chase Sherman at UFC Vegas 34 on August 21st. So, Parker, this is kind of a unique booking, right? Because, uh, you know, you, you were supposed to fight Chase back in April. Obviously, you had to be pulled from that card. If you don't mind disclosing and if it's not too much information here, do you mind sharing what knocked you off of that card back in April? Uh, yeah, it was COVID. <laughs> I ended up catching COVID like a week before the fight, and I totally knocked me on my ass and I couldn't travel or do anything. I was uh, pretty much just fluctuated between sleeping in my bed and sleeping on my couch for almost eight days straight. Wow, man, that that's, that's tough to hear. So obviously, you know, that, that pulls you from the card pretty, pretty obviously. And, uh, but I'm, I'm curious, how was the recovery after that? Did you get back to training? Do you feel kind of back to yourself now that, that we're four months away from there? Yeah, no, I I feel much better. I uh, I was fortunate enough that I didn't really have any respiratory issues. I was just, um, you know, I wasn't one of these people that lost their their uh, sense of taste or their sense of smell or anything like that. I just got really, really, really tired. I was super achy, um, and uh, you know, I had like very like strong like flu like symptoms, and it was just super fatigued. Like I think the the worst thing that I had going on was that I had like this incredible back pain to the point where like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't find a comfortable position, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent back. I'm back even better than I was before. So you can expect to see an, an even better version of me than you did on the last fight. 
Well, I wanted to talk about the last version we saw of you, too, and, and this actually kind of plays into the, the idea that, you know, it's good that you didn't have respiratory issues. I mean, on top of just being good that you didn't have respiratory issues anyway, but <laughs> I, I noticed last time out you seemed to have, and not that your cardio was ever bad, but a big uptick in how good your cardio looked in your last fight. I was curious, is that something that you've intentionally added more to your training or is that, you know, hey, maybe we just got to see, you know, the best version of you out there? I think that's um, I definitely put that as, as as one of the foremost things that I needed to work on. Um, you know, cardio has always actually, you know, especially earlier on in my career, been one of my strong points. So just one of those guys that never really got too tired um, during a fight. Even when I was tired, I was still able to kind of perform. Um, and I, I had recently kind of like gotten away from that aspect. I was walking around heavier train, you know, just not really taking my diet very seriously. You know, I've, I've, uh, lost a little more weight and, and really worked on and focused on my strength and conditioning. I got, uh, this guy I'm working with Dan Esposito, who's, uh, really knows his shit and he's, he's, he's in there making sure I'm doing everything, not missing any workouts. If I, if I can't get my, uh, my cardio session in at, right at the end of our lift and he's like you know calling me a couple hours later like hey did you do your cardio like you said you were gonna do hey did you do your cardio you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes i'm like well you know i'll get to it you know and other times i'm like no i, I did it i got you like um, he's he cracks the whip on me and helps keep me accountable well, and that's awesome, and I'm curious because you, you said getting back to what you did earlier in your career too, and not that you've gotten away from grappling either, but I, I've noticed you know you are a lot more comfortable on your feet now, and less it seems less urgent for you to get it to the mat because a little bit earlier in your career, you know, Kimuras, Americanas, like th those types of finishes were all over the place for you, but you do seem to like being on your feet more. Is that also sort of a, a conscious thought, or is that you you just start to feel um. better in there? I don't think it's so much a conscious thing. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, let's just see where the fight goes. You know, if I'm comfortable, I, d I definitely enjoy the striking aspect of things. And if I'm comfortable and I feel like I'm com uh, competing, you know, if, if it's like a pretty evenly matched or if I'm doing better, then, then I'm not really usually in a rush to take it to the ground. But uh, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm not afraid of it either. Absolutely. And, and that obviously brings me to the question of talking about this fight coming up because you're, you're fighting Chase Sherman, who's who's kind of known as a, a stand-up specialist. He's kind of known as a boxer. He's had bare-knuckle fights in there. Like, he, he's obviously a guy who prefers to keep it standing. And I'm, I'm curious when, when they decided to rebook you with him or, or even booked you with him the first time, what were sort of your thoughts on the stylistic version of this matchup? I think it's a good matchup. I think he's... Uh... You know, he he might be a little crisper um, with some of his boxing stuff, but uh, uh, I'm pretty confident that our our striking is is right on the same level. And then on top of that, I'm I'm more confident that my my ground game is is way better than his. Absolutely. Now I'm also curious too because this is you're in a really rare situation that not a lot of fighters get to do. You're in the middle of your second training camp for Jay Sherman, right? So like. You, you've, yeah. <laughs> got, you, you've gotten to, you've gotten to watch him fight uh, in between there, but you know, like basically, what, what are we talking about? Like like fifteen twenty weeks to prepare for him, even maybe more than that. If you thought this fight was going to get rebooked, yeah. What what is that like? What is it like to do a training camp for a guy twice and just have Chase Sherman on your radar for what's seemingly half a year? I mean, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely like helped me stay focused, and obviously, you know. Um, it's, it's an advantage that, 
not everybody gets to to have from time to time. But uh, you know, it's it's had its moments too, where it's like a little monotonous because you kind of do the same thing two times in a row with your camp. You don't really change too much up. Um, but I, you know, I think it's going to be nothing but beneficial to me at this point. And is there an aspect of that, you know, like you sort of mentioned, the monotony that is tough but also beneficial in some way, shape, or form? Is there part of your game that you feel like the the double training camp for Chase Sherman sort of benefited the most from that that you, like, took away? I I really honed in on this one skill or these two skills in preparing for him. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like, we definitely kind of sharpened up the footwork. I think you can expect to see some good angles and stuff um on the on the feet and then i got a a, a couple of really good wrestling coaches kia glompor and, and chris samboy that have been helping me tighten up my takedowns and and uh just working on better ground control and and just uh overall awareness and and a better uh better wrestling iq for to complement my overall fight iq and i'm assuming too that being paired with the cardio you you feel like you have a pretty clear advantage on the ground I, i'm not going to ask you to tip your hand here but it's that that's somewhere where you think that the advantage is just, you know, overwhelming and, and probably uh, the place where this winds up? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, and I'm going to ask you one more question, too, about Chase before we move on uh, to, to, you know, officially asking you for a prediction, as I always torture my uh, interviewees to doing. But I want to ask about the fact that you got to watch him fight uh, immediately after being booked with him, right? Like you pull out of the fight with about a week to go, obviously very sick. But, like, you get to see him fight, and not only do you get to see him fight, but the person who fills in for you is a legend. Is, is, is Andre Arlovsky, you get to see a yeah. former UFC champion step in for you. you tell us just a little bit of what was that like, knowing that your last-second replacement was Andre Arlovsky and you got to watch him fight a guy you had prepared for for, for 10 weeks? I mean, I thought it was really cool that they picked Andre Arlovsky to be the guy to, to step in for me, so to speak, and... But, you know, at the same time, it was it was also kind of frustrating because I had put all this time in for the camp and then I'm watching this fight happen almost exactly as we we thought it would go. And uh, and I just I really was was bummed out that I wasn't the one in there doing it at that time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, you are finally going to get your chance to be the one in there doing it on August 21st. So, like I said, I always torture my interviewees with a prediction. Can you tell us how you see this one going down on August 21st? I I don't necessarily know how it's going to go down, but I definitely can see a stoppage. You know, it's going to be a finish some way, shape, or form. It's not going to go the distance. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This was Park Reporter who fights Chase Sherman at UFC Vegas 34. That's once again on August 21st. So, Parker, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Really appreciate you guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Parker Porter. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we finally got a UFC again this weekend, but before we get to that, I want to get into PFL from this past week. Another loss for Rory McDonald, this time to Ray Cooper the third. What are your thoughts right now on kind of what has happened to Rory McDonald's career? Well, uh, you're asking, I guess, maybe the right guy or the wrong guy, because I'm a huge Rory McDonald fan, always have been. I was devastated when he left the UFC, and uh, I'm even just looking now, I'm having the intern pull it up. So since leaving the UFC, this man is 4-4-1, four, four, and one, and certainly not the fighter you know we saw coming up in the UFC. I have to figure 
that that Robbie Lawler fight completely broke him. And I don't think that out of the big spotlight of the UFC, Bellator still a big promotion. He was happier there. He had a sponsorship, wasn't in that like overly corporate controlling environment of the UFC. He's kind of a free spirited guy. So I don't think it had anything to do with motivation or not being in the big show, quote unquote. I think he really fell off. He was still training at the same place from what I know through the majority of the Bellator stuff. I don't, is, is he still with Faraz Ahabi now that he's in PFL or is so, he? So my, under, my, my understanding is he does a little bit of training, if I'm not mistaken, at Sanford MMA, which is in Florida. That's the old black zillions camp that has now been kind of corporately owned by Sanford and, and is, you know, blowing up and has Henry hoofed. And I, if I'm not, mistaken and and i was only kind of half watching i think he had faras and henry hoof in his corner this weekend oh what a combo so yeah i mean this is a guy he didn't retreat to you know like the mountains of western canada and try to create a fight camp around himself this is not one of those stories we are literally seeing someone with all the talent in the world that has a very high fight iq was you know comparable at striking, maybe not the quickest, maybe not the best, but good enough, an excellent grappler, high fight IQ, um, you know, was tough as nails. And we're just witnessing this awful, horrific fall off a cliff. And I think that's just what you get sometimes in fighting. So my final answer is I think the Robbie Lawler fight broke him. What do you think? You know, I've been back and forth on that. Uh, I I think, you know, you're right that maybe it's not that he needs the bright lights. um, But I have dabbled with the idea that possibly it's maybe it's not that he he needs the bright lights to perform his best, but maybe that he just overlooks some of the competition he's fighting now that he's not in the UFC. You know, he has fought Robbie Lawler and he has fought, you know, go back to the beginning of his career. If you look at his resume, dude, it is absolutely insane the resume that that dude had when he first got to the ufc so listen to this he gets to the ufc he fights mike guyman in his first fight which probably not a lot of people know mike the joker guyman he beat him pretty easily by armbar he follows that up by listen to this run he fights carlos condit nate diaz mike Pyle. gets a little bit of a break with che mills and after fighting che mills he fights bj penn jake ellenberger robbie lawler damian maya tyrone woodley Dude, that is an insane run. So here's what I'll say. Maybe it's not that he needs the bright lights to be good, but maybe he just needs a challenge in front of him that sounds like it, that scares him. You know what I mean? And, and maybe Ray Cooper the third wasn't that name standing in front of him that made him shit his pants a little bit. And maybe he needs that. You know, I, I, you might be right, and it's something, you know, hopefully one day we'll, we'll interview him and we'll try to get into that mindset. I do also want to say, you bring up such a good point, this is a man who will not be in the UFC Hall of Fame, although maybe at one point we thought he was headed there, but this is a man who will have wins over Nick Diaz, or sorry, excuse me, Nate Diaz, who I think will end up in the UFC Hall of Fame more so as like the personality that he is, but still, you know, probably a future Hall of Famer. BJ Penn already in the UFC Hall of Fame. Damian Maya, Tyron, Damian Maya and Tyron Woodley both going to the UFC Hall of Fame. And then, you know, a razor close crazy war against Robbie Lawler also going to the UFC. So, yeah, I mean, my God, what a resume. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny too, because you, you talked about how, He's kind of off that trajectory we thought he he was on. People had him as the next GSP. 
right? Like, the, and and I don't think wrongfully so where he was at at that time because he not only had some amazing performances, but I, I mean, like he he had amazing performances against some of the best competition in the world. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a sad fall off now. Back to back losses, although granted, one was just a terrible judge's call. But to to Ray Cooper the third and Gleason Tebow. If you told me that, you know, five, six years ago, man, I would have been shocked. Yeah, it is sad, but I'll tell you what isn't sad. We're going to move on to our favorite segment on the show. Fights, dogs, and parlays were back after a week off with no fights, which we're never a big fan of. But thankfully, we have fights to discuss this week. We'll be giving you a couple of fight picks. We'll be giving you a couple of live dogs (laughs) and a parlay to play. But it's all courtesy of who, Gumby? This edition of Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by MyBookie. In the world of sports, the offseason is a time to relax and regroup after a hard-fought season. But playing with MyBookie gives you the chance to decide when your season begins and when it ends. At MyBookie.ag, you can bet on hundreds of games and leagues from around the world. Whether it's a game day parlay or a long shot winner, MyBookie has got you covered. Use pregame props or bet the game live to shift the odds in your favor and always come out on top. And not only does MyBookie host exclusive sports betting contests that you can't find with any other book, but the bonuses are insane. If you sign up with MyBookie and use our promo code TOPTURTLE, you'll receive up to $1,000 in bonus money when you make that first deposit. That's 1000 bucks in extra cash when you make your first deposit with MyBookie using promo code TOPTURTLE. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold the phone. Rewind just for a second. You said how much in bonus cash? Up to $1,000 in bonus cash with your first deposit using promo code TOPTURTLE. And it, whose bookie was it? It's mybookie.ag. <laughs> I love it. I love my bookie. All right, let's get on with it. Jared Cannonier is a minus 170 favorite. Kelvin Gastelum, a plus 140 dog in this main event. Now, interestingly enough, both fighters are coming off a loss to Robert Whitaker, who I believe is going to be the next title challenger uh, to Israel Adesanya's middleweight title. Is that official, Gumby, or is that just rumored in the works? It's not official. And actually, I saw a rumor recently that that fight may not happen until like February of 2022, uh, based on Israel Adesanya's timeline. So, uh, I mean, I can't imagine seeing another Robert Whitaker fight in there. But yeah, it seems like he's going to be the title challenger whenever that does happen. Yeah, certainly, you know, ranked number one, number two, whatever it may be, and they're both coming off of losses to him. Now, Cannoneer is a very interesting uh, discussion here because he's dropped down to middleweight, and other than the loss to Robert Whitaker, he's looked great. After dropping back-to-back losses to Jan Blankovic and Dominic Reyes at light heavyweight, he made the move to middleweight and reeled off three wins in a row via TKO over David Branch, the legend Anderson Silva, and Jack Hermanson, then ran into Robert Whitaker losing by unanimous decision back in October of 2020. So he's 3-1 in at middleweight, but certainly seems like he found his home and his right weight class. Kelvin Gastelum feels like he's always in every fight he's in. This is a man who went toe-to-toe with Israel Adesanya, but when you look at the record, not just coming off the loss to Robert Whitaker, he is 1-4 and four in his last five. He has losses to the aforementioned Jack Hermanson, Darren Till, and then Israel Adesanya. So, the only win he has in his last five is against Ian Heinish back in February of this year. This will actually be the third time he's fighting this year. He fought Whitaker back in April and also lost by unanimous decision. So both guys coming off a loss here. Gasolum does not want to move to one and five in his last six. 
Um, you'd have to go back to twenty, the late 2017 and then into 2018 for his last win streak. He had back-to-back wins over Bisping and Souza. He is going to fall far down the rankings with another loss here. Cannonier just trying to keep his positioning um, and, you know, prove that this is his weight class. Who are you taking? I think I'm going to take Cannonier here. You know, it, it, it's crazy because, you know, like you said, Calvin Gaslam is in every fight. But here's the thing about Jared Cannonier. Like, the, the dudes he was going out there and beating, and granted, the, the Anderson Silva one is super fluky, it, are, like, tough guys to beat and have, like, kind of good grappling sides, right? Like, the the thing is, if you were trying to, to talk about what's Calvin Gaslam's path to victory, you're probably saying takedowns, right? But, like... He fought Jack Hermanson, who's arguably a much better grappler than Calvin Gastelum. And in fact, he, he heel-hooked Calvin Gastelum in like 30 seconds. Uh, David Branch, same thing. Like you, David Branch might not still be with the UFC right now, but he's probably a better grappler than Calvin Gastelum. So for both of those guys to have gotten kind of stuffed in the takedown aspect and then got absolutely pieced up on the feet until they were knocked out, I, I just don't see Calvin Gastelum as being a good stylistic matchup to beat somebody like... Like Jared Cannonier, who's pretty much only been beat by guys who are, you know, phenomenal boxers and Jan Blankovic or Dominic Reyes or Robert Whitaker or guys who are, you know, like way bigger than him. Like he got beat by Glover Teixeira, but like Kelvin Gaslam is not Glover Teixeira in grappling, right? So like, yeah, I mean, like I think Jared Cannonier is an awful matchup for him and, and I think he's probably just going to run right through him. Uh, I'm with you on that. I'm not going to say anything else other than, you know, I could see this going to a judge's scorecard. I don't necessarily know that one will knock the other one out. I think they're both going to be relatively careful, especially both coming off a loss to Robert Whitaker. Uh, but I agree with you that I have my money on Cannoneer, and I don't even really have a problem with these odds. I don't see value in either pick, really. You know, straight up, I'm picking uh, Jared Cannoneer, and even at that price, not the hugest deal in the world to me. I'm picking Jared Cannonier. Let's move on. This one is so interesting to me. Um, Mark O. Madsen, or excuse me, Mark Madsen is a Olympic wrestler, uh, Greco-Roman, uh, born in Denmark and very accomplished uh, from a wrestling standpoint. And he's been signed to a four-fight contract in the UFC. He's already 2-0. and Wins over Danilo Bellardo via TKO and a unanimous decision win over Austin Hubbard back in March of 2020. So we didn't, we haven't seen him in over a year. But what makes it so interesting is this man is 36. And we all know at lighter weight classes, um, you know, that's pretty freaking old. He's 155. Uh, so while he has the wrestling pedigree, and I'm very impressed as he was coming up. He does have submission wins via guillotine choke, uh, both the on his back and standing variety, wins via rear naked choke. He has TKOs and KOs, so he's showing he's well-rounded, but he's just very old for that weight class. But I'm inter- I wish he came to MMA 10 years sooner. It's not like Daniel Cormier, who came late, and we've seen at heavier weights, you can be a little older. And the pairing here is very interesting because he's going up against a man in Clay Guida who has 56 fights and also very old for that weight class at age 39. But it's a nice name for Madsen to keep, you know, getting his name out there. And this is classic UFC matchmaking with someone I know they're excited about giving them a legend. I feel like Clay Guida uh, is never to be counted out. I said that about Gastelum. I was probably being nice. I really mean it about Clay Guida. 
Um, he's coming off a win over Michael Johnson. Before that, he lost to Bobby Green and Jim Miller, beat BJ Penn before that, lost to Charles Oliveira before that. So that's in the last three years of competition. He's two and three. Like I said, Matson undefeated in MMA, undefeated in the UFC at two and oh, and he's betting off as a minus 170 favorite. Guida, always oh, a live dog, a plus 145. Who are you taking? I'm having such a hard time picking this one because I'll say this. Like, yeah. oh, oh, Madsen, Mar- Margo Madsen has to, has to, he has to take down Clay Guida, which first of all is a task, right? Because Clay Guida notoriously gets up every single time you take him down. That bastard <laughs> gets up so fast. Like, you know, if you look, Bobby Green took him down twice and that was part of his, his keys to victory. I think he had like 50 seconds of top control time. So, you know, I can't... And, and I'm so I, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I just think what you're saying is so true. And I think if you're a novice MMA fan, you might be saying to yourself, "But wait a minute, he's an Olympic MMA, you know, a prodigy." But it just isn't the same in MMA. You can use the cage to get back up. You're mixing and striking. You have to be fearful of you know a knee hitting you on the way down to that takedown. Look at John Jones out wrestling Daniel Cormier in their first fight. Look at what GSP did against accomplished wrestlers. MMA wrestling different from straight wrestling. Please continue. Yeah, no, and and I agree with that. And, and here's the other thing too is is I don't know that Mark Madsen. If you've seen, if you've never seen him fight, or just Google a picture of him. The dude's muscly, like very muscly, especially for his weight class. And I just wonder, like, what is going to happen when Clay Guida puts that kind of pace on you? And yeah, you can get him down, but for how long? How long are you going to keep him there? Because he, that bastard gets back up. So if Clay Guida puts that kind of pace on him and, and puts that, I just see this getting better and better for Clay Guida the later it goes. So, like, I guess the question I'm asking myself is, at negative 170, do I feel like Marco Madsen gets Clay Guida out of there early? I don't. And if that's the case, I don't love picking Clay Guida in this fight. But if I'm going to pick somebody, the plus 140 odds, I'll take Clay Guida in this one, I guess. Like, like what do you do with this weird matchup? Exactly. It's one of those things where... I almost would advise most people to stay away from this because we don't really know what to make of Matson yet. And this is truly his first test in a grinder of an MMA fighter, in a high fight IQ of an MMA fighter in Clay Guida. So, you know, you want to talk to me about making Mark Matson bets as a favorite? Let's talk about it after he gets through Clay Guida. If I'm a gambler, I'm probably staying away from this because this is that first huge test in what we will make of Mark Madsen as a betting favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, you know, I think it's going to be interesting about like, you know, it, it, you said it's going to be the first time in, in a grinding fight. He, he did have to grind a little bit with Austin Hubbard, but it's just not the same grind, you know? Agreed. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be a grind and it's this next fight. It is a banger. Uh, Alexander Patoja is uh, a minus 170 favorite, Brandon Royval, a plus 140 dog. This fight, despite Pantoja being a pretty, you know, that's close to two to one favorite almost at minus 170. He's a strong favorite. This fight uh, is going to be at the very least good. And second, it's 
could end up being very close. I don't necessarily think either guy will knock the other one out. I think this could go to decision, and it could just be, you know, a point or two separating them. So let's talk about it. Uh, Brandon Royval is coming off a loss to Brandon Moreno via TKO, but before that, he was in two fight of the nights in a row in his UFC debut. So he's 2-1 and one in the UFC with two wins over Tim Elliott via arm triangle choke and Kai Kara France via guillotine choke, but then ran into Brandon Moreno and lost via TKO. Uh, Pantoja coming off a win over Michael Kipp. Uh, that was back in February of this year. Lost to Askar Askarov before that. Beat Matt Schnell before that. Lost to Devison Figueredo. Win over Wilson Race. Uh, he is total in the UFC. He is, let me just get the intern on this real quick. He is seven and three in the UFC. And as I said, coming off a win over Michael Cape and the favorite here, who you got? I'm going to take Brandon Royval as the underdog here. This one I feel much more comfortable yeah. about than I, I do the, the Clay Guida one. Because, look, I think the reason Brandon Royval is an underdog here, and by the way, he's not only been an underdog for all three of his UFC fights, but his last five fights before that, he was also listed as an underdog outside of the UFC. Um, most of them being in, uh, in LFA. And the reason is really simple. He gets hit. He gets hit a lot. Um, but like, that's the kind of fight he wants. He wants it to be messy. And once he tags you and he's got way better power than the average flyweight, once he tags you, people shoot dumb shots on him and his submission game is incredible. He doesn't wrestle, but he does hit you and wait for you to try to wrestle him. And then he's deadly. I mean, like he, he finished Tim Elliott. Mighty Mouse Johnson didn't finish Tim Elliott. He finished Kaikara France, and let's be honest, he did lose to Brandon Moreno. It was a TKO, but it's because his shoulder popped out. He was sitting there with a dislocated shoulder, and he wasn't able to grapple. So I actually think him versus Brandon Moreno would be a fun rematch. I think he probably wins this one with an exciting submission, and heck, he might get that rematch booked. I love that pick. I'm a huge fan of his, and I like him at the plus money here. Let's get to our official underdog of the week, though. Maybe uh, a safer pick, if you will, only betting off at a plus 120, and it's Ignacio Bahamandes, and that would be over Roosevelt Roberts. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I like Ignacio Bahamandes uh, here over Roosevelt Roberts. It's because Roosevelt Roberts is used to being a much taller guy in most of his fights, and if you look at his striking defense, a lot of what he does is just move his head straight backwards, because if you're fighting somebody who looks like Jim Miller... In your six foot three, you sometimes don't have to have the most technical offense. Well, guess what? Now he's fighting another guy who's six foot three in Ignacio Bahamundes and just happens to have crazy striking background. Uh, does all kinds of regional level kickboxing before he got to the UFC. Roberts has got a good submission game. He, he works well on top. I just think he's going to have to fight a range fight against a range fighter. And I like Bahamundes in that all day. So I'm taking Bahamundes here at plus 120. Our parlay to play, Rami's Brahamaj, a minus-130 favorite, and Brian Kelleher, a very strong minus-175 favorite. Pair them together, though, and it gets you plus-180 odds. Let's hear it. Yeah, so first of all, I love Rami's Brahamaj so, so much. Uh, he, he fought Max Griffin in his debut, which is a huge ask, and he had his ear taken almost all the way off uh, and didn't get to finish that fight. They gave him a TKO loss due to... Uh, mostly missing his ear. Uh, but that being said, I, I, I still think the sky's the limit for this kid. He's got great wrestling, and he, every single fight he's ever fought, he's won by submission. He's fighting a kickboxer who's had trouble with submission defense. I, I mean, what's not to love at negative 130? Good wrestler with good submissions up against a guy who can't defend submissions. Uh, and then I like Brian Kelleher here because he's fighting Domingo Pilarte. 
pretty much the only people who've beaten Brian Kelleher, the people who can wrestle him up real bad and, and kind of be the more dominant heavy wrestler type. That's just not Domingo Pilarte. So for that reason alone, I, I like Brian Kelleher here. And at negative 175, maybe I don't like playing it all by itself, but pair him with Brian Mai and get plus 180 back. That I do like. And I like fights, dogs, and parlays. We hope you appreciated it, too. Hey, we'll be tweeting during the show this weekend at Top Turtle MMA. Please let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty with some of these picks. And while you're at it, why don't you head on over to iTunes, write a review, give us a five-star review if you think we deserved it. It sure as heck helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle podcast studio. Gumby, this train is a moving down the tracks. Where should we go next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Dustin Jacoby. He talks a little bit about that weird draw with Ion Kudalaba last time out, as well as what's next for him in this upcoming week. That's right, a week from Saturday, he has got a big fight in store, so we'll be talking about that. But before we get to any of that, i got to remind you that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, it doesn't matter because you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more all right in the palm of your hand. Get rid of that dirty jujitsu journal and download Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Dustin Jacoby. All right, and joining me today is Dustin Jacoby, who fights Darren Stewart at UFC Vegas 35. So, Dustin, I wanted to start by talking about your last fight because it's kind of a weird situation for a lot of fighters to come off of a draw, right? Like you come off of a win, you're feeling good, you're trying to build momentum, you come off of a loss, you're looking for the holes and the things to fix. I just wondered what sort of your mindset was when you went back to the gym after the Kudalaba fight. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was really weird. It was the first draw uh, on my record. Uh, I, felt, I felt a little different, like I said. And, and with the way the fight went, I certainly felt like I won the fight. So when I went back to the gym, I went back to camp, man. I, I feel like I went back a winner. I went back just working uh, on things that I needed to improve on. And, and like I said, man, I took that fight on 10 days notice. So I was pretty happy with my performance uh, going against the a very high level opponent who had been grinding for months for that fight. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, the draw is what it is. You, you only get one paycheck that night. That's the biggest thing that bums me out about it, but I've moved on, man. I'm looking forward to this challenge and Darren Stewart. Well, and I was also going to ask you too, you know, I, 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 I clearly see where you thought you won the fight, right? You wins round two and three very clearly, probably having dropped round one. But now, you know, you went into that fight saying that you, you thought a win over Ian Kutalaba would probably lead you somewhere right to the, the top 15 and that you're probably going to get a big name being 3-0 and in the UFC. Is it tough dealing with that fact, too, that like now you get Darren Stewart, who's maybe a little closer to the top 15, but maybe not that name you wanted? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I, I'm super happy with the name of Darren Stewart. I think he's well-known. You know, he's had 12 UFC fights. Uh, people know him. So I, I do like the matchup. I'm, I'm happy with that opponent. But at the same time, you're right, man. I thought a, a good win over Kuntalaba would get me a top 15 fight, which, you know, timing's everything, man. You don't have to, to grind that long anymore. I mean, I have been grinding for a decade, but now in the UFC, you get a couple big wins. You turn some heads early and often. Uh, you could get right up there in the top 10, top 5 title picture. You know, timing is everything. So, um, you know, I just got to, you know, like I say, roll with the punches and and uh, make sure I, I get the job done against Darren Stewart. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. But I, I did want to ask one more question before we put Ian Kudalaba to bed. Because 
it was a weird lead up to the fight, right? Like you took it on 10 days notice. The first round was weird as hell, but also the weigh in was as weird as hell. Can, can you tell us a little bit about like, you know, your, the mental side of, of dealing with all of that kind of crap that led up to that fight? Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime you take a fight on short notice like that, and this wasn't like I was training and you got a short notice opportunity. This was, I had just fought at the end of February. Um, you know, I had a few weeks off and then my wife and I went to Mexico with some friends. We were there for like 10 days. So, um, you know, we, I wasn't, I wasn't in the gym. I wasn't training. So I took the fight on short notice. Uh, that hurt me a little bit. Uh, but though, then the way in antics, I knew he was the type of guy that, uh, gets in your face at weigh-ins and gets kind of dramatic and, and, uh, you know, puts on a big show. So what I did was I put my hands out to keep him from coming into my zone. And I think that provoked him. Uh, to go ahead and grab my neck the way he did, which once that happened, man, that it was like game on, man. I, I was ready for the fights, you know, and of course, right? Somebody puts their hands on you, you're like, you're ready to go. So, um, like I said, man, the, the biggest thing that, that I'm upset with in, in that fight is just uh, the draw, you know? I, I felt like I won rounds two and three. One judge gave it a 10-8 round, which is just ludicrous. And... Uh, if that would have been a five-round fight, if we would have kept going more rounds, he w- he was done. I know he was done. There was two people that met in the center of that octagon that night, him and I both. And right after the fight, man, he grabbed me, looked me right in the eyes and said, you won that fight. And I'll never forget that, man. So he knows it. I know it. Um, but like I said, we just got to move on to August 28th. That's right. Now let's talk about August 28th. So you're fighting Darren Stewart, a guy who, who kind of made his name with big knockouts, right? His nickname's The Dentist. He's a guy who goes in there and throws big bombs. But if you've watched his fights lately, he is shooting a lot of takedowns, seems to be turning up that part of his game. What are sort of the expectations of, of the type of Darren Stewart you're going to see when you walk in with him? Well, you know, with my kickboxing background and being a stand-up fighter, I'm, I'm well aware that uh, pretty much anybody I face uh, is going to try to shoot and take me down. You know, if you watch Kuntalaba fights, uh, he goes in there and throws bombs with all of his opponents, right? It's a stand-up war. Against me, uh, he, th- he I was, hit him with the jab a few times. Two minutes into the first round, he shoots right in for the takedown and just wanted to hold me down. Uh, same with uh, Max Christian. You know, he, he tried taking me down in that first round and uh, didn't have much success, and, and then it finally kept standing. So I certainly anticipate uh, Darren to, to shoot, I'm very well prepared for that. I've been, you know, I've got a great guys in the gym, great team at Factory X, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I think that, I think he, he's a very good opponent, man. He's a grinder. Like you said, I think he beat Kevin Holland uh, just, just with that wrestling. In that third round, it was a close fight, and he took him down and, and held him down for the better part of the uh, round three. So, um, you know, it's going to be a tough opponent. I certainly expect him to use this wrestling and, and do what he's got to do, man, but I'm prepared everywhere, and I'm excited to go get this finish. Yeah, and, and obviously, too, you know, you mentioned in there that, that Kudalaba really wanted to wrestle you up. Grishin really wanted to wrestle you up. And, and you've had a lot of success in your wrestling defense, but I'm, I'm curious, leading into this fight with that expectation that he is going to shoot a lot of takedowns, have you turned up the amount of wrestling that you're doing in camp? Are you doing more on the grappling side of things? Or is this sort of, you know, same old, same old training camp, about 50-50? Uh, you know, it, it's, it has been the same old training camp. However, uh, we have been working a ton of ground stuff, a ton of wrestling, a ton of jujitsu. You know, a lot of people forget that I was a professional kickboxer for glory from 2013 to 2019, and I was chasing a world title. So a, a, a lot of my time spent during those six years was primarily kickboxing. So uh, it, it's taken me a couple of years to get my wrestling back in groove and, and to get my uh, jujitsu back to where it was, but 
right now, man, I, like I said, I've been grinding. I've been uh, very competitive and very active in MMA. And, and uh, I think my overall game has improved drastically. And I'm comfortable anywhere, man. But people know that I'm a stand fighter and, and the fight starts on the feet. And that's where, you know, that's where I enjoy it the most. So I tend to keep it there. Um, you know, I'm not a big wrestler. I got this going to go in and shoot and take you down. But I can reverse your, your, your shots. I can sprawl. I can brawl. And and uh, just take it wherever the fight goes, man. So I've been working hard on the ground and, and looking forward to showing that in the fight. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it, too. Now, you said you're feeling the sprawl. You're feeling the brawl. You, you feel like you've got the, the obvious advantage on the feet. You also said you're expecting a, a finish. Is that where you see it coming? Do you see it coming with the hands? Yeah, absolutely, man. I really do think I'm going to get a finish here. I think this is going to be one of my best performances to date. Um, you know, I've had this fight booked for like 12 weeks now at Darren Stewart. I had an original opponent. Um, I had a, a different opponent originally, and then I got Darren Stewart about nine weeks ago. So I've been training for Darren Stewart, man. I think that, uh, like I said, I, I expect a big finish, man. I think I'm going to put him out on the feed, and I think if he tries wrestling, man, I might surprise some people and get a nice little submission. We'll see, man. I'm going for that 50K. It's been eluding me so far, so I need one of them performance bonuses. Well, and a performance bonus, I'm sure, would get you right into the top 15. Now, I don't want you to think ahead of this fight either because you already gave me your prediction for this one. But but with a win over Darren Stewart, you know, and maybe the 50K bonus should you get one of those big finishes, do you got names on, on the tip of your tongue that you're thinking about? You obviously don't need to disclose them, but do you have people in the top 15 you're thinking about? You know, I haven't thought too much about that. Like I said, man, I get I get locked in on one guy, on Darren Stewart here, so... Um, you know, I don't have any, anybody in mind right now, but I'm sure uh, you never know, man. Maybe we'll get out there and I'll, something will come to mind. Well, we're looking forward to it either way. Of course, this was Dustin Jacoby, who fights Darren Stewart at UFC Vegas 35. Dustin, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Dan, thanks for the time and getting this out there. And uh, hopefully, you know, I go get this finished and we can get back on your show. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We certainly couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and, of course, MyBookie.ag. Be sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE for up to $1,000 in bonus cash. We want to remind you guys that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA will be in both of those places each and every week. You can check out our commentary on the fights on Twitter or what we've got coming up for our next episode on Instagram. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.